Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Hallelujah. Well, isn't the Lord wonderful? Let's get into the Word, shall we? I know that it's been interesting the last three days, four days, because you've had, with tonight, three prophets, people that stand in the office of the prophet, that minister, that function. When we say stand, we really mean function, because there's lots of people that claim to be a prophet and they're not. And a lot of people that prophesy, and they really are just, a, it's a prophet lie, <laughs> you know, and that's just the truth. And so we don't want to prophesy, lie, we want to prophesy, because then we're speaking forth what God is saying, amen. And then you got others just prophet wishing and prophet hoping, and <laughs> there's all kinds of prophets in the church, but we want the real, the real thing. And so, you may, you know, I, I don't know which way the Holy Spirit's going to go. I have a general idea, but, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that these gifts are operated or distributed as the Spirit wills. So, He may want to give you a personal word, and He may not. I was in a meeting one time out in California. And there were several prophets there, and they decided they're going to, There's, I guess, five of us. They get put us five across the front, and they said, Now, you just, however the Lord leads you, you get in one of these prophets' lines, and they'll give you a word. And I went, Oh, Jesus. And I'd say out of a hundred people I prayed for, I might have had a word for five. And some people went away disappointed. Well, I, I didn't get a word. And... Well, you did while the message was going forth. The Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the very spirit of prophecy. So if you really want to get deep into the prophetic, start focusing on the testimony of Jesus. Hallelujah. Because you can't get any more prophetic than Jesus died for our sins according to the Scripture he was buried, and on the third day he rose again according to the Scripture. And that is the gospel, and that is the testimony of Jesus. And you can't even talk about it without the spirit of prophecy coming upon you. That's why Paul said, nobody says Jesus is accursed if they're in the Spirit. And nobody can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Hallelujah. And I know some people get in the prophetic lines, and one lady lives over here in Denton. I probably told you this before, but for, for years, you know, when, when I was young, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, and I was helping, I ended up helping a lot of lady ministers. So I have a lot of respect for women in ministry. And so, uh, different ones, you know, some like my dear friend Cindy Jacobs and, and some of them, Barbara Wintrobel, and uh, different ones like that that are just my, my dear friends for nearly 40 years. Tells you how old I am. I was two when I did that. And so, <laughs> very talented two-year-old. 
But the, and this lady saw me in the Galleria over here in Dallas one day a few years ago, and she stopped me coming out of a door. Now, I'm, if, if these two don't behave themselves, my sister and Pastor Heather, the, the two of them are two peas in a pod there, so I'm glad they got Pastor Eric sitting between them, but uh, my problem is they're infectious, so... They, if they start to affect him too much, Pastor Larry, you reach up there and thump Pastor Eric on the ear. For <clears throat> and so this lady saw me and she went running up to me and she said, oh, you're you. And I said, yeah, last time I checked, I'm me. And she said, oh, give me a word. And she's standing in the doorway of a busy store on a Saturday. She's standing there like this. And I'm like, boy, I'm getting a word all right. <laughs> And it's got four letters in it. <laughs> Sorry, Sandy. <I'm... laughs> and I just kind of took her by the arm, let her off to the side, you know, and just kind of talked her out of her tree a little bit. Because <laughs> she was way up there with all the squirrels and the nuts, you understand. <laughs> I'd say four or five years later, I was with Cindy Jacobs, and she was speaking at a church in, in, over in Denton, Chuck Pierce's church. And I'm sitting up on the front next to Cindy's husband. I'm sitting on, on the, the center aisle, right, like right where Pastor John is sitting there. And from while Cindy's preaching from about two or three rows back, on the other side of the aisle, I hear this, psst, psst, psst. I'm like, boy, somebody's got a leak in here. It's really bad. And I look, and it's that woman. Hi. Do you remember me from the Galleria? I said, oh, I sure do. I have preached about you all over the world. <laughs> so we don't want to be like that. If you are, repent. It'll be all right. Hallelujah. The book of Acts. Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. Verse 21, as I minister tonight, I want you to be aware that the prophetic is going to be woven through this whole thing. Now, you know, I like nature shows and, you know, all the animals and stuff like that. And I'm going to tell you, you know, wolves are an amazing species. And when that mother wolf has a litter of pups in her den, when she's weaning them, she will leave them hidden in the den and she will go out and she will skillfully hunt down prey. And when she catches it, 
she will rip it apart and chew it up, masticate it really, really good and swallow it. And then she'll go back to that den where all those pups are and she will, this is going to bless you right here, she will regurgitate what she has eaten to feed the pups. And so this morning and this afternoon, I believe I have been a skillful hunter. And I have found prey. And I have chewed it just as good as I can chew it. And so I just pray that tonight I will be able to throw up real good for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wasn't it interesting, I was going to say these three prophets, and, and we're all different. We're all so different. I, I know Pastor Andre sounds more official because of the accent, but, but you know... That's like my dad thinking that God spoke King James English, you know. You know. And there's a lot that do, you know. But, uh, and then Roxanne, boy, she was on fire last night. My goodness, I think that's the best I've ever heard her last night. Just amazing. So we're all growing. We're all, we're all coming up in the Lord. In fact, Pastor Andre had lunch with a pastor friend of mine in Florida today. He said, I'm having lunch with him tomorrow. I said, well, good. Talk about me, but say nice things. So, <laughs> Acts chapter 27. Did you find it yet, Terry? Are you okay? Okay. Verse 21. Now, I'm going to talk throughout this thing, but I want to focus down on this for a text. You know, you've got to read a text and get that all out of the way or people don't think you're really preaching. 21, but after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. In other words, I told you so. Pastor Terry talked about, I didn't toot my own horn. I told Pastor Eric, I said, there's an old preacher I know, and he said, He that tooteth not his own horn, it shall not be tooted. <laughs> and so Paul here toots his own horn. He said, Men, you should have listened to me. And not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Aren't you glad you belong to God and you serve God? Amen. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. Father, we thank you for the anointing tonight. We thank you that it is flowing like a river. We thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord, for inspiration of thought, utterance of speech, and for the power of the Spirit to anoint the words that we speak. In Jesus' name, Lord, do it tonight. Somehow get us out of the way and ignore our human frailties and our failures and our shortcomings and do what only the Holy Ghost can do with the Word of the Lord in our lives. In Jesus' name we ask it. And everybody said amen. 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 I want to go back up now to verse 9. We're going to start at the beginning. 
of this story. They've been sailing for a little bit, but at the beginning of this story in verse 9, Paul had advised them, it said, saying, Men, I perceive, verse 10, that this voyage will end with much disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also of our lives. Listen, the Holy Spirit is always trying to warn us about things, especially life-threatening things and things that can be disastrous for us. The problem is we're not listening. And the truth is the Holy Spirit is speaking all the time. All the time. I probably told you this before, but it's just this is one, one thing that just really strikes me sometime, Pastor Sandy, is, is I, I think about the last words of the book of the Italian prophet Malachi, you know, Malachi. And so at the closing of that era, how that the last thing that God said, he talks about them stealing from him and he talks about all these different things. And then he finally, he says, you're cursed with a curse. And God shuts his mouth. And for the next 430 so years, God doesn't say anything. And I think about the grace that we live in, in this church age where God is always talking to us. We come to church in one half a psalm. I'm getting my King James going. And another half a hymn. And another half, you know, this and that and the other. And we come together because God is talking to us. Pastor gets in there and he studies and gets before the Lord. And the Lord tells him, talk about this. Because God is talking to him. And so we've become so accustomed to the fact that God is talking that it just kind of becomes ho-hum to us sometimes when the King and the Creator of the whole universe is actually talking to us. The one that created us from the very beginning and the one that put our very DNA in our genetic structure and the, the mitochondrial stuff, all this stuff that down in there to the very smallest molecule. He created all of these things and yet He talks to us. But there was a time for 430 years when He didn't say anything. And I can't hardly imagine that. It's beyond our comprehension to think that you would go to church and the songs would sound hollow because there was no utterance. The message preached would fall like a lead brick at the feet of the people in the synagogues because there was no inspiration for a message. There was no utterance of speech. Nothing was said. The prophets were non-existent. Nobody prophesied because nobody had a word. You can't have a word if God's not talking because a prophet speaks as an oracle of God. I was thinking on the way over here that the pastor that I grew up under when I was still at Christ for the Nations and he was moving away and I went over to his house and I said, don't move away unless you lay hands on me because my preaching gift, everything that I, I do, it, it's, you know, it, I kind of receive by osmosis. His gift stirred up my gift. Iron sharpens iron. You understand that? And so I've had people say, oh, when you preach, you sound just like him. I said, well, I, I, I guess so, because that's, that's all I knew for, you know, the first half of my life. And so he, he laid hands on me and began to prophesy, you shall speak to the nations as an oracle of God. And I said, oh God, if I can do that, just do it tonight. God, give me the, that, that ability to say what you're saying. And so God wasn't talking to them for 430 years, 426 years, I guess it was. And so 
They had nothing. They had no inspiration. They had no revelation because revelation is the thought of God being expressed through his breath. And so they had no revelation of God. Nothing like that. Silence. I can't imagine leaving out of here tonight and going back to my room and laying down and saying, thank you, Jesus, and feeling nothing and hearing nothing and having no sense in my soul of any kind of of communion with him because he quit talking. I can't imagine going one night like that. Can you imagine going 24 hours like that? We've become so accustomed to it. How about one week like that? Or two weeks? Or three? How about a month? Six months? You come to church, it's nothing. Nothing. A year, nothing. The rest of your life, nothing. Your children's lives, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-great-great-grandchildren. 426 years, God was silent until one night the voice of God was heard when a baby cried. Hallelujah. And the angels got so excited, God is talking again. Ooh, he's talking again. They burst out of heaven and scared those poor shepherds spitless out there. They said, peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. He's talking again. He's talking again. God is talking. He's talking. Are you listening? You wake up in the morning. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and a song will just come out of my spirit. And for some reason, some song, maybe I've, I've never, I hadn't sang in years. I'm not talking, you know, you know uh, George Jones or somebody like that. I'm talking, you know, Holy Ghost songs, you know. Drinking don't kill me. No, no, not those kind of songs. No, not that kind of a song. <laughs> you know, or, or Patsy Cline, you know. Seven lonely days makes one alone. No, none of that stuff. But... <laughs> some song that comes up out of the Spirit. You know, I cannot tell just how I felt when Jesus took my sin away. And then I get over that verse. You know, there are some things I may not know. There are some places I can't go. And I go, hmm. I need to be a little bit aware today that there might be some places I can't go. You see, he's talking. We've got to be aware and listening. That's why Paul says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You've got to be aware of some of these things. Or you'll hear a preacher say something and something will jump out. You go, hmm. I heard one the other day, she wrote something on Facebook, a prophetess wrote something. I went, hmm. She was trying to help people. I went, oh, that helps me. I'm, I'm going to listen to what she said. I'm going to do what she said. And she was just talking, you know. I went, hmm. That helped because God is speaking. God is speaking. Are you listening to him? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Everybody still here? Paul said that we better not go. Some places we ought not to go. 
And we need to stay off that boat. I've seen some boats I didn't want to get on either. Lord have mercy. Nevertheless, verse 11, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship. He wasn't a Christian centurion. And because the harbor was not suitable for winter, it's just not a very good place to stay. So they got in that boat, verse 13, and they took off. And it says, and when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire putting out to see. Let me tell you something. The devil is tricky. He's a, he's a tricky devil. Tricky, tricky, tricky. Crafty. Crafty, crafty. And he's subtle. In fact, that's what got Eve in trouble. It said he was more subtle. He was, hmm, subtle. And so he'll blow a soft wind in his subtlety. Oh, this isn't so bad after all. I don't know what Paul was worried about. This is nice. Can stand out on the bow of the ship, get a little sun, drink one of them pina coladas and virgin pina coladas, and and <laughs> just checking on y'all, just checking, checking, finding out where you're at. In Jesus' name, we bind that. Yes, we do. Amen. And so. Nice wind on this carnival cruise. We are heading to Rome, straight across the Mediterranean, and this Mediterranean cruise that we're on. And it's a nice wind. The gods must favor us. And so they set out on this, this voyage, and they say, we must have obtained favor until they get too far out to turn back. And then it says a wind stirred up. That wind still stirs up over there even today. It's a natural phenomenon. And they called it Eurocladon. If I ever get married and have a son, I'm going to name him Eurocladon. <laughs> Eurocladon Plowman. We'll call him Yuri for short. Not Don. That's overdone. But <laughs> Eurocladon. <laughs> stirred up and it's a hurricane type of a wind it's cyclonic and if it catches you around the perimeter of the eye in a ship it can just blow you around and around you know they start watching these hurricanes way down there two three weeks ahead of time coming off the coast of Africa down there on South Africa and they said we got this tropical disturbance down there and they give it a day or so and it's 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 getting a little more disturbed <laughs> and you know we're gonna name it you know Florence or whatever they're gonna name it. and it, it's you know now she's really disturbed now she's a category one and then she's a two and a three and a four thank God a four didn't hit the Carolinas and so you get out there and your Rockladon got all stirred up and began to don't, don't help me, Sandy. You're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> and so it's got them now, and it's pushing them around the Mediterranean, and they're lost out there. They have no control of the helm. There's nothing they can do. And they're tossing around out there for 14 days. They're tossing around out there in this, this water. 
And it says that they were so in such a panic that they began to cut things loose. And they, they got, I don't know how they did it. It's not a very big ship, which would make it even more scary. I mean, can you imagine being out there in a dinghy boat out there in the middle of, of a hurricane? I can't imagine. And so they got cables and they somehow looped them around the front of the ship and brought them back here and then tightened them up. And so they had cables wrapped around the ship trying to hold things together. Let me tell you something. When you get in a storm, I'm going to talk to you about storms a little bit here. When you get into a storm, sometimes you're doing everything you can to hold it all together. And you do it in the natural. You, you're trying to you take the Advil and you, you know the, all, all these things and everything you're trying to do, you know, because you get the headache and you, you're stressed and all these things go on. Everything associated with a storm. And so you're trying to hold it all together. Because you know you shouldn't have been out there in the first place. God tried to warn you. And you got out there in the first place. And you shouldn't be out there. But now you're in the storm. And it says in verse 20, Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest, that means when it says no small, that means it was great big. Great big tempest beat on us. Just beat on us. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Let me tell you something. The enemy's purpose with a storm is not to destroy you outright. The primary purpose of a storm is to cause you to give up hope and lose faith. That's what the storm is for. The storm is to attack your faith. Because if the devil can get you to give up on your faith, then he can kill you. But as long as you're in faith then no weapon formed against you can prosper. As long as you're in faith, there's always a hope. As long as you're in faith, there's always a possibility. It might be impossible with man, but it's not with God. With God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. And they're out there in this storm, and they've given up hope. We're all going to drown. We're all going to be pulled into the deep. And let me tell you something, that's how the devil likes to do it. When he gets rid of your hope and your faith, he uses fear to do it. And fear is closely tied to condemnation. I wouldn't get on all this, but here we go. Let's just ride this roller coaster and see where we end up. And it's all tied. And he's out there, and you're in the storm, and you're trying to hold it all together. And now you're afraid because you're, you're afraid of being pulled into the depths of condemnation. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, period. I don't know who wrote the rest of that verse. Paul didn't write the rest of that verse. It's not in the original. He put a period. They just put a comma or something and kept on going. It is unqualified. It is an unqualified grace. It's an unqualified no condemnation. If you are in Christ, you don't have to qualify. If you're in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. I might be in a storm, but no condemnation. I might be fighting for my life, but no condemnation. My finances might look low, but no condemnation. I might be battling sickness in my body, but no condemnation. I may feel like I'm being run over by the chariot wheels of Satan, but no condemnation. No condemnation. No condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus.
I'm not going to get pulled under the sea of condemnation because I have faith. Hallelujah. Woo. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We all still here? Lord have mercy. Ooh, Jesus. I got so much here, I won't ever get through all of this. When I get down to my text, Paul said, I told you so. I told you. Don't you hate people do that? I told you. I told you. But be of good cheer. Boy, you're tossing around. Ship's falling apart. Everybody thinks they're going to die. And here comes the preacher. Be of good cheer. <laughs> Throw him over first. <laughs> Remember Jonah? Maybe that's him. <clears throat> Be of good cheer. For there stood by me this night the angel of the God whose I am and who I serve. Oh, it's wonderful, the visions of God and seeing over into the spirit world, getting a message from angels. It's been many times I've been preaching, and it's happened here even, and I guess last year and maybe the year before that, when angels showed up back over there and back over here and saying, come over here and, and point to these people. That, and I'd go over there, that fellow that was sitting back there, boy, I mean, I was seeing all kinds of stuff, and the power of God got on him as soon as I walked back there. And... Angels, angels, they'll tell you things, show you things. Hallelujah. Which is four years ago, this past July the 30th, July 30th, 2014, at 10, 18 a.m. Now let me, can I take another little rabbit trail? Because this will help you. There are three kinds of visions or three levels of visions. One is when you just see it in your spirit. You just know, you just see it. You see yourself doing this. This happened here one night. In fact, Pastor Larry and Kathy were sitting over there. And your daughter, Misty, was somewhere over here. And we're in praise and worship. And I saw myself in my spirit get Misty and take her over to Pastor Larry and Kathy Eberhardt and have her pray for them. So I just did what I saw. I walked over and got her. I said, I believe you might have a word for them. And she said, I believe I do. And boy, did she ever. You raise your hand. Did, yeah. Just told them what was what. Hallelujah. Saw it in my spirit. The second level is what Peter experienced on the housetop when he saw the sheet being let down and the, the, the animals were in it, the unclean animals, it says that he was in a trance. That means his physical abilities were frozen. He couldn't move. He could think, but he just couldn't move. And I think God did that because with his religious thinking. Because God kept having to tell him even afterwards, don't doubt, don't doubt, don't doubt. You, you have a tendency to want to move and sometimes you can disturb. You know, the Holy Spirit's not a wimp, 
but he is like a dove. And sometimes our carnality can him away when he's trying to talk to us. And so there's this trance state and you're seeing it but you can't move. And then the highest level of a vision is an open vision where you're seeing it just like you see us just three dimensional like we see one another right now. You'll see an angel or you'll see Jesus or maybe a demon. I mean, don't want to see those but sometimes you do. They're ugly. You don't want to see them. So July 30th, 2014, 10, 18 a.m. I know because I was in my chair have a nice leather recliner in my room. And I was listening to worship and I was worshiping the Lord. I looked over at my little digital clock. I've got to have had it forever. My mom gave it to me, when I think, when I was 12, and I just like it. I keep it, you know. It still works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know. And so it's sitting over there, and I looked over 10 18, when all of a sudden I couldn't move. I was frozen. And three angels came into my room. Now, I don't mean they walked in. It seemed like they came in like that. I don't know how else to describe it. And as I sat there in my chair, one stood here, one stood here, and the other one stood right here. They were around me. And they were identical. In the natural, we'd say they're identical triplets. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, fine, but the Bible does say that the things that are not seen can be clearly understood by the things that are seen. And if we have identical triplets in the natural, there can be identical triplets in the spirit. Hallelujah. Get rid of your kooky doctrines and stay with the Bible. They didn't have wings or anything like that. Very tall. And it seemed like I could see through them from about the waist down. And if one started a sentence, he never finished it. One of the others would finish it. And if it was a very long sentence, they would just, they were completely choreographed. And I had just come through a storm where I had two preachers betray me. Me, can you imagine? And you know, the Bible says that it's better for a millstone to be tied around your neck and be thrown into the sea than to offend little me. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Terrible friends that I trusted. And then two people had died that I loved dearly. And the dog died. And then I had to leave immediately and fly to South Korea for two weeks. And by the time I got there, I had pulled something in my back and I hurt. I was hurting. And so I had no rest there. They put me in a hotel. You like this hotel? I said, I will. It's very traditional Korean. Is that right? I said, so I'm, it's my understanding there'll be no Tempur-Pedic bed. And they, oh, no, Matt. Matt. I said, who's Matt, the concierge? I said, no. <laughs> Matt. You sleeping on Matt? I said, I don't swing that way. <laughs> said, Some of you get it later. but <laughs> Matt. And they weren't kidding, Matt. 
outside sleeper. Remember Lurch on the Adams family? (laughs) By the time I got home, I hurt inside and out. These angels were there for 20 minutes, showed up at 1018, and it was 1038 when the vision was over. I don't know how long I was in the trance state, maybe three or four minutes, but at some point it shifted to the higher vision and it, because I was able to move, and it shifted to a full open vision. And they said, we have come, been sent to bring comfort and peace to your soul. And healing to your body. They no sooner said it and all my pain was gone. Healing to your body. And that you might be strengthened with all might in your inner man. And they had quite a few things to say to me in 20 minutes. One thing that really shook me up was they said, Many of God's seers, that's prophets, seer is a prophet, You read in the book of 1 Samuel, it'll tell you that. It says, until the time of Samuel, this prophet was called a seer. Many of God's seers are willingly blinding themselves. Now, this is 2014. Willingly blinding themselves. Some for gain, that's money. Some for notoriety, that's fame. And some for political expediency. Sure is quiet in here. Don't worry, I'm not going to go there. I'm going be, to behave myself. I'll, I'll leave that all up to you. Blinding themselves. They said, blind seers are leading a blind church. And this will only wax worse and worse in the days to come. And at that moment, I began to weep, Terry. I mean, I wept. I wept. I understand what some of the prophets in the Bible said when God would tell them something. They said, I wept much. I wept. And I said, oh God, I don't want to be blind. I don't want to be blind. And no sooner had I said it when they began in their choreography to say from this day forward... When you're in the Spirit. Now this is where prophets are missing it. we got a lot of prophets prophesying kooky stuff. You see, if you get out of the Spirit and start talking stuff, you're going to come up with some kooky stuff. Because you got to be in the Spirit. These gifts are divided severally as He wills, the Spirit. He is the orchestrator. He is the administrator. He's the one that brings these gifts. They said from this day forward, when you're in the Spirit, you will have greater discernment and insight into the secret things of God. And from this day forward, when you're in the Spirit, you will have greater discernment and insight into the hidden things, the secret things of men's hearts. And that one scared me. It, to be honest, it kind of scared me because I've operated in discerning of spirits for years and been pretty perceptive of things. And I thought, oh, no. I don't want to see any more than I've been seeing. Because sometimes you see, 
just got to get up and walk out. This is it. And to my delighted surprise, I have become so aware, like right now I'm in the Spirit, I become so aware of gifting potentials in people's lives. I was with a friend the other day at a, at a famous Mexican restaurant over in the north side of Fort Worth. And we went there at like 2 in the afternoon, kind of an odd time. Wasn't very many people there. And this man and a girl, I guess his wife or somebody, came in with some kids. And the whole restaurant was empty. And they said, we want to sit right there. I thought, great. They sat right next to us. This guy had three cell phones. He was a drug dealer. And he unashamedly was taking orders and moving product around <laughs> talk to somebody on this phone and pick up the other one so they want three kilos. And I mean, just like that, just telling them. And I sat there and I said, Lord, that's all I had to say, I'm in the Spirit. You know, he's as close as the mention of his name. You know that? And I told my friend, I said, this guy is going to be some kind of preacher when God gets a hold of him. I said, I think I'm going to talk to him. My friend said, not until I get out first. <laughs> so, I'll be nice. God send somebody. Send the right person. Oh, I was seeing all kinds of gifts in this guy. And you'll see it. Hallelujah. You see negative stuff, but it's more fun to see the positive stuff. Because, you know, if you can stir up the gifts, it'll drive out all that negative stuff. Hallelujah. Angel of the Lord, whose I am and who I serve, stood by me this night and told me, there shall be no loss of life. But he said, Paul, don't be afraid. You have got to go to Caesar. Now, let me tell you something. Fourteen or so days they've been out there whirling around in the Mediterranean. That was not the course that they set. The winds of adversity, the storms of life, may blow you off of your course, but it will never blow the purpose of God out of you. It'll never blow the purpose of God out of you. Paul went all over the Mediterranean, but the angel, and God had already told him way back over there on dry land in Israel, he said, you will testify to Caesar. And Paul, if everybody else drowns, I am somehow or another going to float up to Italy and float on up the, the Tiber and get on up there to Rome, and I'm going to testify to Caesar. And the angel just reinforced that. You will go to Caesar. That is your purpose. Listen, people get so caught up in their course. Ooh, got to do it this way and got to do it this way. Listen, don't, don't elevate your course. Don't prioritize your course above your purpose. Don't do that. Don't prioritize your course. That is not the priority. The priority is your purpose. What has God called you to do? What is the calling on your life? What are the giftings on your life? Where are you going? Where did God say you would end up? What is your destination? 
The world would try to, you've seen it this week, and I, again, I'm not going to get political, but you know, you got a man that's sitting up there, they're trying to vote him into the Supreme Court, and somebody comes up with something from 36 years ago. And so the world system says, your past dictates your destination. Not with God. With God, your past, your, your destination has nothing to do with your past. Listen, your predestination has everything to do with your future. God has already said it. He knows the end from the beginning. And he's already seen where you're going, your destination. And so he predestined you. Your destination is only determined by your future. If you can wrap that around your little pea brain and figure all that out, it'll make you brave, courageous. Hallelujah. Your predestination is determined by your future. Your purpose is your priority. The course. Got all kinds of courses. You know, Paul said, run the race. Just finish. He said, I finished my course. He didn't say how many crazy turns his course took trying to get there. You never start out from Crete trying to get to Rome and think, now I'm going to get halfway there and then we're going to... Nobody, even in the most carnal of minds, do you... Unless you... Smoked something, had something else laced in there that you smoked along with it, you know, and then you, then you're really messed up, right, Jonah? Of <laughs> course, it's not the priority, and we've we've got the course before the purpose. We want to look good. We want to do this with style. We want it to appear right. You know, we want everybody to like it. You know, we got the right, we're running the race. We, we've got the right Under Armour shirt, running shirt. We, we've got the right Puma running shorts. We got the right pre-Kaepernick Nikes. <laughs> Don't let that tacky spirit get on you tonight. Don't let it bind it right now. Don't let it get on you. Bind that thing. Stay with me. What's that black mark on your shoes? I blocked out the swish. People get caught up about the stupidest stuff. God expects us to operate on a higher level. It's not about what you're wearing. It's not about the course that you ended up on. It's not about the twists and the turns and what you thought was a setback and what you thought was a, a side trip. It's not about all that. Just run the race, baby. Run the race. And obtain the prize. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, mercy Jesus, help us, Lord. I'm feeling that Bill Winston spirit. 
He gets so excited. <laughs> I know what he's feeling. Because <laughs> I'm seeing ahead for you, see. That's what prophets do. They look ahead. I see where I know where I'm going. Oh, my. Verse 25, therefore, listen. <laughs> you want to know how to take heart? Said, therefore, men, take heart, for I believe God. You want to know how to strengthen your heart, your, your courage, your spiritual courage, your fortitude? Believe God. I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to skip on down here now. Hallelujah. They hadn't eaten anything. Paul told them not one hair of any of your heads going to be lost. Let me go down here. <laughs> Leave Terry alone. He's busy typing. He's about to win solitaire over there. I'm going to leave him alone. <laughs> Whatever you order on Amazon, get me one too. There, Terry. <laughs> I believe God and not one hair of anybody's head will be lost. And a couple of fellows, pagan folk, they decided to jump the gun and they're trying to get in the lifeboat. And Paul saw them and he told that Roman, unless you stay on the ship. I've got, there are so many sermons in this one thing. Unless you stay on the ship, we can't, we or you, talking about everybody, you cannot be saved. You got to stay together. Hallelujah. Stay together. Stay on the ship. Stay together. There's strength in numbers. One can chase a thousand, two can chase ten thousand. Hallelujah. Stay together. And so the Roman cut that lifeboat loose. Boink. And it watched it float away in the storm. And somebody said, Land ho. That's not a ghetto terminology. Sorry, but... Now, the tacky spirit will bind you right now. Bind the tacky spirit. <laughs> Stay with me. Well, you'd heard what he talked about, scratching, I'm being nice. Hallelujah. There's land. So they begin to check the depths. However they did it. Didn't have sonar. They'd drop these rocks and the ropes down and measure. They'd feel the rock hit the bottom. Boink. Wow, it's 200 feet. And they went a little further and they dropped it. It's 150 feet. Look, it's 100 feet. It's getting shallower and shallower. We're getting close to the land. Glory to God. And so it says... They threw everything over. They lightened the ship. Listen, you weren't supposed to be out here in the first place. And now you're in a storm. But God says, I'm going to save you. But all this junk that you've brought along with you, that you just thought you had to have, 
you don't need it. God don't need you to sow that iPad into this ministry through whom I am speaking to thee. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I saw a preacher on TV do that one time. I, it seemed to work for him. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know it. <laughs> Sandy told me. <laughs> and so God says, get rid of it. If you want to be saved, if you want to make it to safety, all this stuff, the wheat, that's the food, the very thing, but I need that. Do you? Do you really need that? If God is about to rescue you, do you really need some of this stuff? Lighten up. Lighten the ship. That's the word of the Lord God gave me for everybody here. Lighten up. It's time to lighten up. Hallelujah. We're getting ready to move to safety. We started, Pastor Andre told us, we're about to accelerate. That's what, exactly what they were about to do right here in this ship. We're coming back to that theme again. Acceleration. How are we going to accelerate into safety? It says that they lightened the ship and they hoisted the sail and the wind caught them and pushed them into the shore. Listen. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Come on, tablet, do what I want you to do. You're hindering my ministry here. Ephesians 5, 18, 19. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excessive or excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. This verse here, be filled with the Spirit. Paul had spent so much of his time, most of his journeys, he used ships. So he was well acquainted with, with sailors and, and, and seafaring folks. And so he got kind of into their lingo, you know, some of their expressions that they used. And so he used one right here in Ephesians when he says, be filled with the Spirit. Literally the Greek says, be being filled with the Spirit. And the terminology that he uses is when you open your sail all the way up and the wind begins to fill it. The wind doesn't stay there. It fills it and comes out and fills it and comes out and fills it. And comes out, it keeps being filled. You understand? It's being, and as it's being filled, it pushes you to your destination. And so Paul is saying, they raise the sail and they wind fill it. Be being filled with the Spirit. And when you are, how are we going to do that? With speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with, our, in, with grace in our hearts to the Lord. Listen, when we start worshiping Him and praising Him, and singing to him in fact Abraham it says that he had strong faith giving glory to God that's how you know you got strong faith giving glory to God that's what it says and so when I start giving God glory then my faith is strengthened and the wind fills my sails and God rescues me hallelujah God rescues me Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't that amazing? You want a prophetic word? Lighten up and start giving God glory. <laughs> Just lighten up and start giving God glory. Some of you get a breakthrough if you follow your pastor right now. 
lighten up and start giving God glory. Start giving God glory. Let the wind fill your sail. Eurachlodon wanted to kill you. He wanted to destroy your hope, crush your faith. But lighten up and give God glory. Give God glory. Hallelujah. Give God glory. Casey and Parrish, come up here, please. Stand right here. The child, this church that you have birthed, it's going to be a wild child. A wild child. And religion is going to want to suppress it and control it and correct it. Don't let that happen. Let this child develop the way she's supposed to develop. Because she is going to crush religion under her feet. She is going to turn the religious world upside down and inside out and then right side up again. Because she's wild. And she's not going to do things the way everybody else has always done them. And you know that in your heart. That's because you desire this. And that's what you've given birth to. And the Lord says, let her develop the way she's wired. Because God says, I wired her that way. Don't frustrate the grace of God in her by trying to, to, to corral this and curtail that and suppress it. Don't do that. Let her go. Let her be wild. Because in her wake and in every step that she takes, she will conquer for the kingdom of God. And religion shall be crushed under her feet, says the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, take the preaching anointing. And I impart it to them right now. In Jesus' name. Somebody get behind me. Freely I've received. I freely give. Now stir them up. Stir them up. Let the fire come upon them. When they open their mouth to preach, let fire fall. When they prophesy, let fire fall. In Jesus' name. When they worship, let fire fall. In the name of Jesus. You're going to have inspiration every time you open your Bible and start looking at it. You go, oh, I could preach that. Oh, I could preach that. Oh, I could preach that. Write it down. Oh, I could preach that. You're going to have more stuff than you know what to do with. And if you'll be faithful and develop it, God will open more doors than just your church. Hallelujah. There's some other nations that God is preparing right now to hear the word of God out of your mouth. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Chris, where are you at? Come down here, my friend. Chris Shields, come down here, please, sir. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. I'm going to bring this.
six. I didn't want everybody to hear that. So God says, I'm going to bring you in. I'm going to hone you in. I'm going to start sharpening you like a fine blade. And it's going to take some honing and rubbing on the stone. And at times it'll be a little uncomfortable. But the Lord says, when I'm finished, you're going to be the sharpest weapon in the arsenal. If you'll endure the honing, he'll make you sharp. Thank you, Lord. There's some things opening in England and in the United Kingdom. France and Germany some things will open. And you'll know it. The invitation will be clear and the door will open wide. And I will give you a word that shall set people free if you allow me to sharpen you. And the Lord says, I'm going to give you discernment. You're going to begin to see things and even people a little differently. Even some that you held in such high esteem, you're going to begin to understand as God understands about some things. And there'll be some ties you'll have to cut. But God says, for every tie you have to cut, I'll give you five in their place that are godly and solid and balanced. That's what the Lord says. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Worship you and give you praise. We worship you, we worship you and give you praise. Oh, we give you praise. There's a heart condition being healed at this very moment. You're on medication for it. You feel a warmth on your chest. God's healing you right now. Rheumatoid arthritis, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You're being healed right now in Jesus' name. Just lift your hands if you need healing. Lift your hands in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I break this in the name of Jesus. I command infirmity to go. system strong I call your immune system a mighty warrior that rises up to do battle to defeat to decimate and destroy the enemies of your body in the name of Jesus strong 
called you strong. That's done. That's done. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. seeing a bunch of horses. Does someone here work with horses? You own a bunch of horses. You work with horses. Somebody here. If you work with horses, just come up here. If you work with horses, come up here. I just see horses running all around like in a corral. Nobody works with horses. Interesting. We're live streaming. We didn't tell me that. I'd have been nervous. You're watching me. You work with horses. You've been in debt. It seems like you're going under. You got to. You've started selling some. As a matter of fact. The Lord says, if you'll plant the seed that I told you to plant even five years ago, this thing will break and it'll turn for you almost overnight. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. See, God, sometimes we want God to do a miracle, especially financially. Oh, I want a financial miracle. You know, there there really wasn't too many really any what you might call a financial miracle are you listening to me because in this realm especially with finances we are obliged to follow see there are, when God set us free from the law of sin and death and from the law of Moses that, that doesn't include you're still bound by gravity you understand that There is a law of gravity. And in the Christian faith, we are obliged to follow the law of love and the law of faith. You listening? And God said, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Oh, God gave that little widow that Elijah went to a financial miracle. No, really, He gave her a harvest. Bring me a biscuit first. Well, can you imagine that today? Had CNN, a televangelist takes widow woman's last biscuit, you know. Bring it to me first. Jesus, they, they don't have any wine. Fill these water pots. Bring me these water pots. Do something so that it can initiate the supernatural. If you want the supernatural in your finances, you've got to do something. It's a seed. You've got to plant it. Oral Roberts never asked God to do anything in his life unless he first got an offering. Put it in that envelope. He put it in the offering. He said, all right, now, God, I need this done. 
get go online, go on eBay. You probably find it the, the the seed faith offering. You'll find the Oral Roberts book. You might get it cheap. Of course, not after tonight. Everybody will be trying to get it. And be, everybody will be bidding against each other. <laughs> it's very interesting. It was I need, I need a financial miracle. Sow a seed. I talked about Cindy Jacobs earlier, but she was doing a meeting at Christ for the Nations one night. And I was over there. We were all going out the back door. And then somebody said, oh, Cindy, you, you missed praying for somebody. So she turned around to go back. And so I stood over by the door waiting. And I don't know how this little lady got in, but, you know, a street beggar. And, you know, sometimes God will lead you and sometimes he won't. You know, G, G, one of the hardest things Jesus ever said was, the poor you're always going to have with you. And that, that's hard for some people to figure out, you know. And she said, oh, I've got this going on, I've got this going on, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this. And I thought, no, don't do what you're thinking, because this was Cindy's meeting, and it'll reflect bad on her if, you know, if I missed it. But what I wanted to say to her was, how much money have you got on you? Give it to me. Oh, Bishop Daniel, you can't do something like it. Yes, you can. What if all she had was three dollars? That's three seeds. You can do more for her showing her how to plant a seed than you can buying her a hamburger. Besides, she didn't look like she had missed too many hamburgers. Just a professional beggar. But you know, if we start doing that, the world is going to go, because the things of the supernatural kingdom of God are so diametrically opposed to things in the natural. Can I give you one more nugget? Don't put a fleece out for God. You know, Gideon did it, but Gideon was not born again. Gideon did not have the Holy Ghost. They that are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Gideon was a servant of God. He was not born again. He put out a fleece. I've got a preacher friend. If I said his name, everybody in this room would know it. And probably 35 years ago, he was going to preach for a pastor who had a beautiful daughter, a godly daughter. And he said on the airplane, God... I think she would be marrying material. She'd make a good preacher's wife. Her mother's a good preacher's wife. So when she meets me with her parents at the airport, if she says, I've baked you a certain kind of a fruit pie, and he was very specific, that will be my sign that I'm supposed to marry her. Well, boy, she met him at the gate. I baked you a pie. The exact kind he said. And the last 35 years for him have been hell on earth. Let me tell you why. Everything out there in the natural world is still under the domination of the God of this world, the devil. 
And if I am trying to get God to give me a sign based on something out there in the natural world, then the God of this world can influence it and give me the wrong decision in the wrong direction. They that are the children of God are led by the Spirit of God, not fleeces. If you try to put out a fleece for God, the devil's going to fleece you. Are you listening? Some of you have been doing that. You better listen to me. Stop saying, oh God, if you want me to do that, if you want me to go to church Sunday, you'll wake me up at 7 in the morning. And then the cat gets out, you know, the cat's outside. Do all that noise. My, my dog goes crazy. You know, and, well, God must want me to go to church. We don't follow those kind of signs. What if you didn't wake up? I guess God didn't want me to go to church. like that little old lady came for healing at Brother Hagin's meeting. If you're tired, you can sit down. Oh, good. I'm, I'm still good. I'm still under Roxanne's time, so praise the Lord. She said, I need to be healed. He said, well, if I lay hands on you, will you be healed? She said, well, if it's God's will. He said, well, how are you going to know if it's God's will or not? She said, well, you lay hands on me, and if I get healed, it's God's will. And if I don't, it wasn't. He said, what if I could show you that it is God's will? See, she was putting out a fleece. Don't use fleeces in your life. You'll shipwreck every time. You'll jump in that lifeboat, and you'll get out there in a smaller vessel and drown trying to follow your fleeces. Brother Hagin sat her down, opened his Bible, 1 Peter 2, 24. Who himself bears our sins in his own body on the tree that we've been dead should, to sin should live under righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. He said, let me ask you, is that word were, is that past tense, present tense, or future tense? She looked at it, Baptist. She said, past tense he said what does that mean to you that means I was I was healed she said lay hands on me I'll receive it right now he laid hands she's in a wheelchair laid hands on her she stood up before they got through praying she's running all over that church just perfectly healed perfectly healed no fleece the word hallelujah hallelujah you glad you came to the prophetic conference? Lift your hands and thank God that He still speaks to us today. Thank you that you still speak to us today. Hallelujah. say this together as it is in heaven let it be on earth let it be to me according to your word in Jesus name 
Amen and amen. Can we give God just a great praise for what he's done these last three days? Woo! Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited for all the investment that has happened by the Spirit of God, the Word that has come forth, and our lives will never be the same. will never be the same. You'll never be the same. Amen. From this time forth and forevermore. Daniel Plowman, thank you, sir. That's one of the greatest moments I've ever had with you in your ministry. I've seen you minister a lot, but that's one of the greatest experiences I've ever had under your ministry. Powerful. God, that guy can preach, can't he? Woo! And it was, it was, what would you, how do you mingle preach and prophesy? Preach aside? Beautiful. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, you and all your house. Amen and amen. Go with God. Bless you. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.